Chapter 18. Guerrilla Tactics I have saved the best for almost last. Guerrilla Tactics for Analyst Influence Fit these into the rest of your MQ plan when they're called for or as the opportunity presents itself. Most are derived from what I've seen work either on me as an analyst or by vendors I have known who managed to perhaps rise higher than they belonged in an otherwise objective magic quadrant. Being out of place, too far up and to the right, is a tenuous position. As mentioned in the Influence Pyramid, the people who have the most influence on a Gartner analyst are their customers. Gartner's strength, and frankly, industry dominance, comes from its client base that cuts across the global 10,000. It is the analyst's daily engagement with IT professionals that gives them insight into trending topics and vendor momentum. Analysts use trends they observe to determine topics for new research notes, RNs. If there are a flood of inquiries on a topic that has not been covered before, the analyst will write a note on it. The RN is published, and the inquiry desks start sending it out in response to client questions. The hope is to limit the number of times the analyst has to answer the same question. Invariably, this backfires. Publishing a note is like lighting a beacon. It announces that the analyst has something to say on the subject, and it generates even more calls as clients home in on the beacon. How many calls on the same subject alert an analyst to a hot topic? You'll be surprised. Three. Yes, three calls on the same topic in a short time frame, say two weeks, is a major indicator. They may only take 20 calls in those two weeks. If three of them are on the same topic, that is 15% of all calls. An analyst may check with other analysts in the group. If they're fielding calls on the same thing, a major trend is underway. You can see where I'm going with this. If you could increase the number of calls about your product, you could shine that beacon on your company. But how? It's not easy. I've tried. I have identified the method, but have only seen it put into play a couple of times. You must determine who among your customer base are Gartner clients. The only way to do that is to ask them. And the only people that can do that are your salespeople. Oh, no. Not only that, but the salespeople have to ask those clients to please make Gartner inquiries about your products. A salesperson is going to be very leery about doing that. What if the analyst kills the deal he's working on? This is a very real, but not great risk. An analyst can track the progress of a deal. The first call from the client will be to ask who should be on their short list. The analyst invariably walks them through the magic quadrant. For the most part, he will support any company that the client has already chosen to put on their short list and is in the leader's quadrant. If the vendor is an IBM house, he will support IBM, which is probably in the challenger quadrant because he knows the internal resistance the buyer will get if they go against the grain. If the client is looking at visionaries, he will question why. If they're looking at niche players, he will raise objections. Rarely will he tell a client that picking any vendor on the MQ is a mistake. The next call from the client, sometimes six months later, will be to report on the results of a bake-off or a proof-of-concept, and the questions will be about purchasing. The analyst will provide advice on price, support contracts, and other items to watch out for that they have learned from clients who have purchased from the same vendor. As you can see, there are multiple opportunities to get noticed by the analyst. If only you could encourage more of your customers to make inquiries. It does not take many. If the analyst starts to see that you're displacing incumbents and beating out competitors, your reputation will soar. I would like to say you could offer some incentive to your sales force to add this new task to their list, asking their prospects to call Gartner, I mean. 
but the only measurable incentive is the eventual boost to your standing in the eyes of the analyst and the subsequent movement up and to the right in the magic quadrant. So explain the process to them at the next all-hands meeting or sales off-site. There's some minor risk to each sale, but the overall risk is low, and the payback is enormous. Pose it like this. Take the minor risk now, reap the rewards later when your product is in the leadership quadrant, and included on every shortlist. There is nothing underhanded in the foregoing. Unfortunately, the reality is that you are selling to Gartner clients, but only a few ever call in. Perhaps it's because your product choice is a no-brainer. It does more, costs less, and is better supported. The client does not feel the need for guidance from Gartner. This next tip could be underhanded, so I'm not recommending it. Let me just tell you about an incident that had tremendous impact on me. I was doing a road show for a particular vendor. Of course, I was not supporting that vendor's products. As always, with Gartner analysts, there is no taint of product preference in these paid speaking engagements. The vendor hopes that the Gartner blessing is going to be assumed by attendees, but Gartner survives based on their reputation for objectivity. After the event, a local IT guy came up to me. He was ecstatic about a product he had purchased and deployed. It was not the product of the vendor who had hosted the luncheon event. His statement was, This stuff is amazing. It just works. I had never heard such an unsolicited accolade about any product in the space. His statement was completely heartfelt. While it had tremendous influence on me, I still wonder to this day if that end user had been planted. Did a competing vendor somehow induce him to buttonhole me? Or was he truly enthusiastic to the point of being a fan and wanting to spread the word? It happens, but it is extremely rare. I will not suggest you send someone to your competitor's events to snow an analyst. I will suggest that you should create as many rabid fans of your product as possible. It will eventually get back to the analyst. Targeted Advertising I'm a big fan of traditional advertising. It is a multi-billion dollar business. It has been proven to work over and over. If it didn't work, why would commercial television still exist? How do you suppose beer gets sold anyway? So why don't IT vendors advertise? My theory is that many IT vendors are led by engineers who tried advertising once in the early days of their company or even at their first company they found it. Some slick salesman sold them on a magazine insert or those television shows that supposedly run in airports and on airplanes that nobody ever sees. They shelled out over $10,000 and never saw any results. They're still smarting from that bad experience and have vowed to never repeat it. And of course, just about every CFO will support that decision. All the CFO sees is the expense this quarter. He never sees the increase in sales two quarters from now thanks to increased brand awareness and incoming calls. He thinks that it's from increased investment in the sales force. Why is the bottom right-hand ad that appears on the front page of the Financial Times always for $10,000 watches? Why are there never ads for $10,000 switches, routers, or servers? This is not the place to convince you that advertising is a good thing. But there is a special case of advertising that you could use to your advantage. Ads that are laser-targeted at the analyst. Ideally, every time your analyst opens the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, she would see an ad from your product, one that reinforces your inception point. I guarantee you, analysts still read newspapers. So think about other ways you can get your ads in front of an analyst. Before I tell you a story from the old school ad days, a real madman story, let me plant a suggestion. Say you were going to place an ad. Who is your target audience? 
The IT buyers, right? Wrong. The analysts. Work with an ad agency to come up with several mock-up ads. It's fun. Ad people are great to work with. They're energetic, creative, and excited about your products. You can get several firms to compete by presenting their ideas in mock-up form. Then schedule an inquiry with the analyst to review the mock-ups. Ask them what they think is the best ad. Then run that ad. How is that for targeting? When they see the ad, they will like it. Game over. Okay, Mad Men story. Back in the day, an automotive parts supplier was positioning itself for the next model of Ford sedan. They planned on running ads on drive-time radio. This was the old days, remember? The automotive sales, especially back then, were a different animal. A parts supplier was engaged in a year-long effort to win the deal for, say, a new engine, or an instrument panel, or a suspension system. If they won the deal, there was a 5- to 10-year development phase, huge capital investment to build a new plant down the road from the assembly plant, and then years of profit until the next complete redesign. So the parts supplier, who knew the identity of the purchasing agent who would make the final decision, deployed someone to monitor the parking lot outside the purchasing agent's office in Dearborn. When he parked his car and walked into work, this old-school operative strolled up to it, looked through the window, and read what band his radio was tuned to. I told you this was a long time ago. The part supplier then ran its radio ads on that station during the decision-maker's commute to work. Now that is targeted advertising. How can you get creative and come up with ways to target an analyst with your ads? Here are a few of my ideas. Not all of them, of course. The analysts read this book, too. Airport ads. Have your ad agency attempt to get display ads in your analyst's home airport. Analysts travel a lot. They're going to be passing through their home airport at least twice a week. What if they saw your display ad that often? What if it was the very ad they had chosen? This may be over the top, but what if the ad was a picture of the analyst with a cogent sidebar quote? You would have to work with Gartner to accomplish that. Expand your airport display ad program to airports in tech-heavy areas like San Francisco, San Jose, Boston, New York, London, Frankfurt, and Chicago. If your major competitor is, say, IBM, buy display ads in the Westchester County Airport. Your analyst will probably be flying in there at least once a year. What better time to remind him of your existence than when he's paying a visit to your competitor? For that matter, lock up all the display ad space in the Westchester County Airport today. That airport is the closest to Gartner's headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. I've passed through it many times on my way to the Gartner Briefing Center at headquarters. LaGuardia is the other airport that serves Stamford. Regional ads. Many newspapers have separate print runs in major regions. This helps them to sell more targeted ads to those companies that do not need or cannot afford to blanket the U.S. or the world with their message. Think about a display ad that covers the analyst's home region. You could even ask the analyst at some point in your briefings, inquiries, or conference interactions what paper she reads. Be subtle. Did you see that article in today's print edition of the Wall Street Journal? It would be creepy to stake out the analyst's house to see what paper is delivered in the morning. Radio Advertising Per the Mad Men story above, you can do radio ads, too. These are easily targeted at the analyst's location. Your local salesperson will love the attention you're giving to this region. You may even find that his sales spike, a good indicator that advertising works. But how to find out what radio stations the analyst listens to? You can always ask, but it is going to be harder to make sure that they hear it. 
I suspect that sponsoring the local NPR affiliate is your best bet. Analysts gravitate towards NPR thanks to the in-depth reporting and interviews with experts. Billboards. This is another audacious tactic. Place billboard ads in the analyst's hometown. If there is a prime placement along his route to the airport, grab it. While you're at it, place a billboard near the airport where your company is headquartered. Anyone who flies in to see you will see your ad. The analyst coming to the SAS day might see it too. Direct mail. Everyone knows that direct mail sucks. Response rates are measured in tenths of a percent. But you're not going to blast 100,000 addresses with your flyers and offers. You are going to send out a very targeted mailer to one address. That's right. Send the analyst stuff. It will be such an unusual occurrence that the analyst will read it. I can recall two direct mail campaigns that were effective. The first was a network appliance company, Net Continuum, that sent a series of packages containing tools, a hammer, a screwdriver, a coping saw, and finally, a branded toolbox to hold them. I still have the toolbox, even though the vendor is long gone, and I can remember the vendor's name to this day. The other great mailing was one by Fortinet, the network security appliance vendor. They sent out 1,000 of their small office firewalls to IT security directors who invariably handed them to one of their tech guys who installed it at home. Years later, I would run into sales situations where the deal was won because the decision maker was familiar with the product because he still used it at home. So go ahead and mail your coffee cup, your mouse pad, or some cleverly designed gimmick to the analyst. It can't hurt, and it can enforce your brand and your message. Online ads. Of course, the analyst is online all day. While online display ads are most effective for impulse buying, they do play a small role in branding through sheer repetition. Advertise a white paper the analyst will actually want to read. There are some techniques to attempt to target the analyst. Purchase Google keywords for any company in the MQ, especially your own. If you've hired the analyst to present at a road show or online event, advertise that. Make sure the analyst's name is featured. This is a contributor to the next guerrilla technique. Make the analyst famous. The analysts you work with are already famous in their own way. They command the instant respect that comes with the Gartner brand. But their career success depends on getting their name out there. Only by gaining industry recognition will they rise in esteem among their peers and ultimately contribute to Gartner's brand and growth. If there is one analyst who happens to get your industry and has recognized what you're doing as important or effective, then the more you can contribute to her reputation and the more her thoughts will be listened to. Here are some effective techniques to enhance an analyst's brand. Get the analyst quoted. Gartner tracks quotes internally and reports on them. If an analyst is quoted in mainstream media, he might show up on the front page of the Gartner internal website. Most vendors attempt to get a quote from the analyst for their press releases. That is fine, but even better is to have your PR team reach out to journalists and actively push the analyst for comments on stories the journalist is working on. Let the analyst know you've done this. Even ask permission beforehand. Adopt the analyst's terminology. Every analyst wants to identify the next category. It is a major milestone for an analyst when her term for an emerging market is adopted by industry. Help that process along. At the beginning of the development cycle, every vendor is also attempting to define the space with a term that positions them as the leader. 
It's marsupial pouch tracking, MPT, not nocturnal creature intelligence, NCI. It is the analyst's job to define an industry, not the vendor's. So go with what your analyst has chosen. Don't fight it. Promote it. The one who invents the term is the expert, maybe even the father of the space. Get the analyst promoted. Promote the analyst to Gartner Management. Start with your Gartner sales rep. Summits and the IT Symposium are opportune moments to chat with Gartner Executive Management. Upper management may not even know the name of your analyst. Make sure they do. Of course, you don't have to lay it on thick. You can even be negative. Analysts are judged by how much impact they have. Pissing off the vendors could be a good thing for the analyst. Negative comments from end-user clients are, of course, bad, so get your friends who are CIOs at major companies to drop the analyst's name often. More Gorilla Techniques Get the analyst hired. Not happy with the Gartner Analyst that covers your space? Create a new Gartner Analyst who is predisposed to your way of thinking. Gartner is always looking for new talent. The qualifications are someone who is knowledgeable in a space, who can write, speak, and work hard. If there's a prolific blogger, podcaster, speaker in your space that you like, push them to consider joining Gartner. Ask your contacts there to get him interviewed. Make introductions. Write a recommendation. This strategy can backfire, of course. Many a president has appointed a Supreme Court justice based on his belief that the judge will lean one way or the other on critical social issues only to be disappointed. Uh-oh, did I just draw a comparison between Gartner analysts and Supreme Court justices? I am taking this topic way too seriously. Get the analyst fired. Don't even go there. This has never worked to my knowledge. My early career in automotive was during the great transition to supplier design and engineering. In the early 80s, the auto companies began pushing the responsibility for their designs to the manufacturers, who stepped up by hiring engineers and managers to take on this new responsibility. But the auto company would still employ a program manager whose job was to oversee the entire development project and interface with the rest of the division working on the vehicle. Sometimes that program manager would be a pain in the ass. He would nitpick, make changes, and even work actively to change suppliers. So the supplier would hire him away with a big salary and a corner office in hopes that the replacement program manager would be easier to work with. Then they would give the new executive hire inconsequential stuff to do in the hopes that he would quit out of boredom. I've not seen this tried in the tech industry, but there are plenty of cases of vendors hiring away the analyst who covers their space, usually into a strategy role. That is certainly one way to get the attention of the other Gartner analysts. It helps to have someone who knows the inner workings of Gartner on your team. Briefings can go really well if the new hire is well respected by the other analysts. But make sure you use that ex-analyst. Truly use his expertise. Include him in strategy sessions. If you expect him to be a glorified analyst relations person, you will lose him quickly. I was hired away from Gartner by a software security vendor who I won't name. Just look at my LinkedIn profile. It was a consumer software vendor, not a network security vendor. So I did not make the potentially career-damaging move to a vendor I covered. In my two years there, the executive team did not ask for my advice once. I would get calls from CEOs of other tech firms asking for advice on strategy every month. Yet my own employer just wanted me out there evangelizing. When I left, the execs took me out for drinks. 
The chairman of the company came over and asked without a trace of irony, So, now that you're leaving, what do you really think we should be doing? I gave him an earful while the CEO stood by aghast. The Drop-By Briefing I covered the drop-by briefing in detail in another chapter. Only a few vendors in any space reach out to the analyst in such an informal way. Do it. The Sales Call Briefing Every analyst has to take his turn accompanying the Gartner sales rep on sales calls. Gartner has a business challenge. The sales rep sells the value of all the great research and instant access to subject matter experts, and the end-user clients shell out big dollars for that access, which is sold as a subscription. When renewal time comes around, the sales rep has to demonstrate how valuable the relationship is so the client does not decide to drop the subscription or pare down how many seats they pay for. One of the ways a salesperson can demonstrate that value is to bring a big-name analyst by for an hour-long brain dump. Before you become a Gartner client, you may be able to take advantage of this no-cost opportunity to interact with the analyst. Tell your rep that if she brings in the analyst, you'll sign up. That will accelerate the process. If an analyst visit can close a deal, the rep will pull strings to make it happen. Don't treat the analyst visit like a briefing or mini SAS day. This is different. Bombard the analyst with questions. Put him in the position of demonstrating his value. This is the only time the analyst will ever be selling you something. Make him earn it. When the sales rep calls you the next day, tell her how impressed you were. You will be. That you saw the value. And when can she send over the paperwork? Now the rep feels that the analyst closed the deal, so you add it to the analyst's reputation. And the analyst feels responsible for bringing you on board. It's just another subtle step along the path of your MQ plan. Use these guerrilla tactics sparingly. They can be powerful tools if applied correctly at the right time. Now on to the most direct and critical step to accomplishing your Magic Quadrant goal, responding to the MQ questionnaire.